just enjoying watching people come in. <clears throat> you can see that I uh, appear to be somewhere other than my ordinary situation. It's a mirage, of course. Uh, I am not in my usual situation, <clears throat> and so I have a virtual background. Um, entrance to a lovely temple in Tokyo uh, uh, that I visited when I was there teaching some years ago. <clears throat> but um, I'll say more about that uh, a little bit later. Let's uh, sit for a few minutes and settle and collect ourselves. Uh, open our hearts, focus our minds, relax our bodies.
Let's recite the four practice principles uh, today to begin. Uh, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. Uh, the reason that I'm uh, at the virtual background is because uh, my home is in shambles right now. Uh, any of you ever lived in a house that was being renovated? <laughs> you know what that's like. And so it's a bit noisy, so I have to go somewhere else um, to, uh, to work. <clears throat> and I know it's a little clumsy, but if you... If I, if I leave, you see, oh, this is where I really am, in the guest house of one of my friends. <clears throat> and I put myself in a different situation. But as I do that, I think, gosh, that's like everyday life, isn't it? <laughs> We're actually in the ordinariness of, of wherever we are. Um, but we cultivate uh, virtual realities in which we live. Uh, some uh, in a wholesome way and some not so wholesome way. But demolition and renovation, that's, the, that's what I'm living in. So that's some of what I want to speak about today. <clears throat> um, but, but first, uh, a sort of a brief word from our sponsor here. <laughs> We're... Um, I'm going to be leaving uh, uh, soon, but before I do, I'm um, in an online retreat with uh, the Sangha in Madison Open Door Zen community uh, starting this Thursday. And the emphasis of that retreat will be on precepts because they are beginning a new precept study program in January. And as, as you know, the precepts are the foundation of our Zen practice really in many ways. They're the ethical and moral guidelines that take regular meditation and mindfulness practices into a realm that is actually spiritual or, or religious, if you want to use that word. So this will be a, a, an, an entree and a renewal of understanding of, of precepts. Then I will get on an airplane and actually go to the Midwest, uh, to the Twin Cities in Minneapolis-St. Paul, to the Awakening Together group, and I'll be in person there. And our emphasis will be on taking refuge in Dharma, 
And our last retreat was about Sangha, so we'll be speaking about Dharma, Dharma the, the teachings, the, exactly what we always kept talking about, entering the fullness of each moment. Uh, when we chant the refuges, we talk about uh, taking refuge in Dharma, entering the merciful ocean of Buddha's way. Um, and also the question of how, how do we keep the Dharma alive? So the precepts, Dharma. Then I keep going to the UK <clears throat> and to the, just this a group of, of Sanghas uh, in Nothing Missing in Lancaster, the ceremony and the embodiment of vow. An emphasis that was in the Madison retreat in the spring, but we, we understand that the, uh, our vow, uh, one of the ways that we celebrate it wholeheartedly is through ceremony and through ritual. So we'll be engaging in a number of those rituals. Uh, so the precepts along with Zazen is such a foundation for Zen practice. We take refuge in Dharma by engaging the precepts in Zazen. Our ceremonies in Soto Zen is one of the ways that we enact and express our, uh, our practice. And so these are essentials that I'll be involved in. All of that is relational. And next Tuesday you're in for a treat because I'll be on an airplane. Isn't, the treat isn't that I'm on an airplane, but maybe. Uh, I'll be on an airplane. And so uh, Trudy will lead inquiry for the first time in anticipation of her um, entrustment as a lay teacher when I arrive. So you won't want to miss that. <clears throat> You're stepping up as she prepares for that ceremony. And the ceremony that's based in the precepts in which she's being entrusted to carry the Dharma, these very things. And then the following week, for some of you, uh, you know, Peg will be in Austin and there'll be a Jukai ceremony and we're back to precepts. Same sequence of the Dharma. So I, I wanted to kind of just speak about that arc a little bit because there's so much joyful energy and refreshing creativity beginning to move once again in our larger family of sanghas. And I'm really, really grateful for it. <clears throat> but it's happening at the very same time that some of us, like senior teachers, are slowing down a little bit, uh, aging, but we're still here. and new leaders, like I just mentioned, Trudy, and others are stepping up. And our sanghas are evolving. And there's fresh formulations of our hybrid sanghas emerging. So there's a, a lot of new, uh, new growth, new edges. <clears throat> but there's also an equal amount of, um, what would I say, say, grief and even strife as we move into these uneasy and unknown spaces, because that's what opens in the face of all the change. It's a, it's a growing edge. And as a result, we have to tend to that edge with care. Um, and on Sundays, Peg spoke very personally and quite vulnerably about uh, this in her Dharma talk, uh, From Loss to Empowerment. And it will be hopefully posted soon. You could you could hear it. So we have birth. There are several new babies in some of the sanghas, young couples. Death. There, many people are dropping their bodies, and we're attending to them as best we can. There's joy and sorrow and gain and loss. All the things that 
that go with life, the wholeness of life, which is, that's the curriculum for our practice. So as I'm in the midst of all of this uh, tumult at, in my actual home, and seeing things right now, we're just past most of the demolition, so everything looks, <laughs> ah, it's, it's rough to see it all torn apart before it's put back together. And the more that's torn apart, the more they find, oh, and there's this problem, and this, you know, you find these things. And so as I have been reflecting on all of this that I'm laying out now, kind of setting the scene, uh, two words have come to me, uh, and I've heard them in other talks or read them in something that I'm uh, studying or reflecting on. And they're, they're really strong signifiers, these two words. Um, and I've been sitting with them uh, like, like koans. And because they're so powerful and potent, they're kind of extreme. Um, we need to approach them with care uh, and attention. Um, so the two words are apocalypse and annihilation. So even when I say them, what happened? Do you notice something in your body? Like, oh my God, apocalypse and annihilation. Of course, you watch the news, right? So we see these crazy things that are, that are happening all around us. So here's what I've, I've learned, and I just want to share what I've been practicing with to see how it resonates in you and what it calls forward in your practice edge. <clears throat> the contemporary use of the word apocalypse, we'll start with that as a, you know, a cataclysmic event um, of some sort. That's kind of a general definition, I guess. And I think most of us would understand it that way. But that is actually a very recent usage of the word. Very, very modern. From the Greek, from which it was, uh, the root of that word was derived, it means to uncover, to disclose or reveal. To uncover, to disclose or reveal. In fact, in the 14th century uh, church, um, mainly Catholic church, Latin, um, it was used for revelations. And in Middle English, its general sense was insight or vision. Well, these are quite different, aren't they? Than a cataclysmic event. An apocalypse would be the full uncovering and disclosure and revealing. Like when they took the upper deck off yesterday at our house and you see all the rot and you see the different... Something was revealed, there was insight and vision that was not available otherwise from this event. Uh, some of you are familiar, I know, with the teaching of Adi Ashanti, and he did a series a few years ago called uh, The End of Your World, which sounds a little shocking, but it's pointing to this same aspect. So I was really uh, taken aback by this. I had no idea that these were the roots of the word apocalypse. <clears throat> but it reminded me of language that in our classical koans we meet. Um, you know, if you do koan study, almost always the first koan that one has to pass to practice with is the koan mu, um, 
A monk asked Joshu, does dog have a Buddha nature? He says, moo, which means no or doesn't have. Um, and so it's a strange thing because every, everything has Buddha nature. But I don't want to go into the whole koan. That's not our point today. But I'm going to read some words from um, Master Mumon. And the Mumon Khan is the collection of these koans. Um, the moo is the first one. In the L- Listen to the language. <clears throat> He says, concentrate your whole self, making your whole body with its 360 bones and joints and 84,000 pores into a solid lump of doubt. Your body and soul will become like one solid iron ball of mu. That's the koan. It must be like a red hot iron ball which you have gulped down and which you try to vomit up, but you cannot. When this happens, don't stop. Don't be concerned. Press on. Then suddenly the ball of Mu, the koan, will break open and your true self will spring forth instantly in a flash. Whoa, those are strange words and they're kind of intense and harsh and violent. And also there's magical thinking in there, like if I do this, some magical thing is going to happen. But these kind of things are pretty seductive, I think, to some people. I can be totally transformed. I can make my surroundings look different. I can put myself in the Garden of Eden when I feel like I'm living in hell. A solid lump of doubt. And if we stay with it, we get the big prize, enlightenment. So the apocalypse, what about our admonitions to like take really good care of yourself? to listen to your body, to be kind and compassionate to yourself, to everyone else. These these kind of old instructions, I think, are the ancient Chinese versions of no pain, no gain. You know, it's only going to help if it hurts. That kind of orientation, but it's really not the way we practice. It's not that there's not a grain of truth and what Mumon is saying. It does take effort. It does take wholehearted practice. We will face doubt. We will meet the edge, what feels like an apocalypse sometimes, but what does it reveal? If we face our doubt and we face, and we don't turn away from um, our despair, our fears, and don't give up, what's uncovered? What's disclosed? What's revealed? what insider vision is offered through this cataclysmic event, which is practice, really. We come to the end of our, our world that we've constructed. So I hope this is, you see how I've been practicing with um, uh, apocalypse, cataclysm, but also something's revealed. Um, something new has happened. So annihilation was the next word that came to me, and I kind of got them confused sometimes when I was sitting with them and just thinking... So annihilation, once again, looked up the definitions, the act of destroying or otherwise turning into nothing or non-existence, you know, obliterate, annihilation. That was like first loss. But listen to these uh, carefully rendered definitions. Two of them. Annihilation, the act of destroying the form 
or combination of parts under which a thing exists so that the name can no longer be applied to it. That's literal out of the Cambridge Dictionary. The act of destroying the form of a solid self or a combination of parts, skandhas, under which a thing exists so that the name can no longer be applied to it. Dogen says body and mind of themselves will drop away. That was unusual. And then there's a definition from physics, which was the second definition. The process of a particle and its corresponding antiparticle combining to produce energy. Dualistic consciousness, non-dual consciousness, stepping beyond it and producing wakefulness. So these were really, really interesting. Once again, in the old language, they kill the ego. You know, neurota is cessation, extinction, suppressing. It, this kind of um, scorched earth kind of way of practice, which is not what we do. Awakening is not the result of destruction. Awakening is not the result of destruction. But clear seeing and release into the natural state, seeing how everything is alive because of everything else, realizing that between the opposites of grasping and aversion, there's a middle way. There's nothing to kill and no part of your human body or your mind or your heart should be destroyed. Everything belongs in its fullness. But beyond personal identity and all these polar things that we live in. Here's some more old language. We heard some old language of apocalypse. Here's some old language of annihilation. And it comes from just a small piece from, from Hong Ji and Silent Illumination. He wrote, the field, the field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. You must pacify, cure, grind down, crush, brush away all the tendencies you have fabricated into apparent habits. Then you can reside in the clear light of brightness. So here's another uh, very harsh kind of language. Pacify, crush, grind down, brush away. Strong manager activities. Not liberating. When the way we cling to ourselves and our identities does begin to fall apart, what does become possible? When the polarities are softened, the good, bad, right, wrong, you know, holy, uh, sinful, whatever the polarities are that you carry, when they merge, what's, what is possible? So these are some of the things, the, uh, the way I've sat with these, these two words of colons of apocalypse and annihilation. Apocalypse of the apparent separate self. uncovers and discloses what's often not seen and not fully appreciated. And the pandemic and the adaptations to it have shown us some of these things too. It, we're never going to be the same. Annihilation 
of our closely held perspective that we're separate. It transforms our perceptions. What we thought was solid reminds us it's this flowing, impermanent, mutual arising. And then we're called back into wholeness from what appeared to be a lot of polarities. And we, we've lost so much. And most tragically, I think, during the pandemic, each other. We couldn't be with each other in ways that we might not have fully appreciated. <clears throat> Just a, few, a couple more things that came to mind as I sat with these words and what they began to open for me. In the beginning of the Shinshin Ming, the poem of the Third Ancestor, most of you are quite familiar with it. So the great way isn't difficult for those who are unattached to their preferences. Let go of longing and aversion and everything will be perfectly clear. When you cling to a hair's breadth of distinction, heaven and earth are set apart. The great way isn't difficult. The great way is disclosed to you, revealed, opened up. If you're not caught in dualities, and the holding, the grasping, the clinging is set aside. The true meaning of apocalypse and annihilation. And then farther on in the poem, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, there's that beautiful place where it says, all at once you are free with nothing left to hold on to. All at once you are free with nothing left to hold on to. Annihilation. Apocalypse. All is empty, brilliant, perfect in its own being. And then in Annihilation, that physics definition, a particle and its antiparticle merge to release energy. In all the world of things as they are, there is no self, no non-self. If you want to describe its essence, the best you can say is not to. In this not to, nothing is separate and nothing in the world is excluded. So this language is different. And it's calling us into a wholeness that's revealed through apocalypse and annihilation. <laughs> and I'll, I'll end with, uh, since I'm in the season of poetry, I'm going to end with two poems just, uh, and I've used them before, but they both have the same title because we're talking about clinging. We're talking about grasping. And you don't want everything to fall apart. You don't want everything to be annihilated. You don't want to live in the apocalypse. And so the first uh, one has a little bit longer uh, title. The title is, I Want Something Without a Name. So this is the non-dual poem from Erica Ehrenberg. I want something without a name. No, I'm not saying I don't know what I crave. I want something without a name, light of foot, even airborne, all feathers, but feathers detached in the air, a fine plumage. I, I want that which it will not be possible to say I have had. 
what envelops and releases, not chronologically, but envelops and releases all at the same time. One gesture, small as a man's, passing through a liquid and a solid state, and then an airborne state, not chronologically, but all at the same time. A brightness in the eyes without the eyes. No eyes, no ears, no parts, all opening and closing at the same time, both closed and open, of no apparent distance from me, no distance, a hole with nothing around it, no surroundings, a dive to and from, not even a pool, not even a plank. Xin Xin Ming, all at once you're free with nothing left to hold on to. And then taking us back to the ground of the everyday, another poem entitled I Want from Mary Oliver. I want to be in partnership with the universe. We could, we could stop there. I want to be in partnership with the universe like the tiger lily poking up its gorgeous head among the so-called useless weeds in the uncultivated fields that still abide. But it's okay if, after all, I'm not a lily, but only grass in the clutch of curly grass, waving in the wind, staring sunward, one of those sweet abrasive blades. One of those sweet abrasive blades. What's, what's revealed and disclosed and opened as our solid identity began to not seem quite so solid so that something else is, is possible when all the brokenness and separateness come together in the wholeness and we feel the aliveness of the Dharma, the aliveness of each other, the aliveness of each day. So it's a strange way to, to live with apocalypse and annihilation, but I hope that it has been stimulating for you and bring some questions for you about your own edge that you're on in your practice and in your life. And if you have questions or comments about my, my strange meanderings today, please raise your hand. You hear the birds? They're the teachers now. We have Mary. Hi, Mary. You're unmuted yet? There, oh, close. It went and then it went away. 
There you go. Okay. You're there. Okay. Okay. I'm here. It's it's lovely to see you. Um, even in the midst of the the virtual reality. I loved how you said that and I can definitely relate to how I get um attached to ideas in my head. And um I just join with this idea of destruction. It just feels like this past month has been overwhelm and um, definitely can own parts of me have been caught in the self-centered dream and creating creating my own destruction. And um, yeah, it just creates like a broken heartedness inside of, you know, when you, when you say when things fall apart, um, <clears throat> or when they get uncovered. Um, and you notice some in one particular relationship where there's been some disrupt and recognizing that the other person has the ability to just take their distance and set the terms. And, and it's, it's hard when there's destruction. Absolutely. When you, yeah, when wanting that merging. And so, um, also aware of the little ones inside of me that get extremely um, when something like annihilate, like the, feels like that they get very activated and, um, how many managers, it's almost like then they come in and it's like the, or firefighters, they just freaking hose it down. And, and then, yeah. Well, you're, you're painting a really, um, everyday relatable description of the place of practice mm -hmm. with brokenheartedness which is the path and our heart that's been held together begins to break open there's both capacity maybe to take in through that brokenness what we might not have taken in or offer back through that opening what we might not have offered there's an open-heartedness mm -hmm. that can come through brokenheartedness if we practice so it's not a collapse mm -hmm. and then you spoke very clearly about how the vulnerable parts of you began to be protected by all these managers our practice doesn't solve all of the psychological issues of course because all of us do this you're, you're in good company but practice yeah. is we are practicing self-energy all the time and when we're sitting when we're following precepts, when we're doing ceremonies, all the things that we do is opening us more and more to self-energy so that that's available when these difficulties happen. And mm -hmm. you remember that's who we are. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to be blended or with all the other parts. Basically, our sitting is a, a, a practice of unblending and remembering what's behind it all. Yeah. And 
it, it's kind of like when you say like the deck lifts up and you're like, oh my gosh, it's all rotten. I didn't even know. <laughs> I'm like, wow, there's all that that has been necrotic inside. Just, yeah, that could be freshened up. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the way it goes. That's not a problem where you're not doing it wrong. That's, that's how human life is, you know? We find these things and we respond to them mm -hmm. as much okay. as we can manage and as much compassion as we can help the help mm -hmm. of people who care about us. We meet mm -hmm. like this so we can uh, remind each other. Yeah, I am reminded of a time in um, your practice group where I felt similarly where it was too much and you had everybody scaffold me. It's still very poignant and Chris held my hands and it was just that poignant moment of like, oh my gosh, it was like that. It was almost like that merging that you're talking. It was like, and feeling so held. So I'm drawing on that as well too. Where Are you in uh, speaker view or gallery view right now? I'm in um, speaker view right now. Okay. So can you click to gallery view? Is that easy enough for you? Yeah. This okay. is hard. <laughs> Yeah, if it's not too difficult, just change the gallery view, and I'm, I can still see you. So, <laughs> on my screen, I'm on one side of you, and Lori's on the other side. I don't know about you. But, yeah, I see. Yeah. So, put, put your hand up to the side where I am, and put your hand up to the side where Lori is, and she'll put her hand up, or whoever's there, and she'll touch you. Remember how you did it? Everybody could do that with the people next to them. You can, you can. Imagine that you're reaching to the other yeah. side. It's an illusion, but what the heck? It's a pretty good one, you know? And it, it symbolizes <laughs> We get to have our virtual realities, right? I know. And then, then just bring them together. Thanks, Mary. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And now directly from Queens Medical Center in Honolulu. Rowan. There you go. There I go. <laughs> so good to see you. Good to see you. There's your new robe that you just got from your lovely daughter. Yes. Yes. Um I really don't have much to say. Uh was interesting hearing about apocalypse mm -hmm. because my world has transformed from being in palm trees and grass and birds to a room. It's okay. And um, It's interesting to live in a in a practice field of hmm, it's okay. Yeah. And any moment someone can walk in because they walk in about every two minutes. Yeah. And I think that's the, the hardest part is in this moment. I don't want that to happen. Yeah. And uh, it's not happening. In this moment. In this moment. In this moment. 
So, um, yeah, that's all. That's so all. This, this is your particular monastic cell at the moment. It is. It is, and it's okay. Yeah. And uh, and I'm glad that you turn your camera so we can see you there because that means all of us can send our healing energy there. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Love you. Hi. It's like some emotion in your face. Yeah, I wasn't happy to see Bronwyn like that. Healing up that leg. Yeah. Well, okay. You saw her in person in June. Yes, yes, and she was dancing for us. So it was so lovely. Um, I'm not sure, Flint. Um, it's lovely to see you and hear these kind of um, big topics that you <laughs> um, brought to us today. Um, you know, the apocalyptic one I thought right away for me was the pandemic and, you know, and uncovered um, a lot of space for me and to be here and uh, learning. Um, and the Anaya, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, you know what I thought of? I thought of you going to that funeral the other day for the little boy. That had fallen out of the apartment window, apparently. Yeah. So little boy um, fell out of um, very high story of his parents' apartment building. In the seven, yeah. seven years old? He was seven, yeah. What was his name again? Sebastian. Sebastian, to say his name. Yeah. And um, I didn't know him or the family, but um, I decided to um, to go to the funeral. And um, yeah, um, it was a Catholic mass. I grew up Catholic. And that was also a really um, moving experience for me. It's probably the first time I'd been at a mass in a very, very long time. And um, I, I was way in the back and the church was absolutely packed um, and um, friends, you know, children from school and families. And um, I, um, we'd been talking in, uh, after Zazen that morning about, um, it was a koan, how do you, how do you, how do you um, talk about the Dharma when your mouth is closed and something like that. And, um, and Anne said, well, you know, how does the Dharma speak without words? And um, I'd been thinking about that. And uh, so in the church, um, the stained glass windows were, it was a really sunny day and it was playing with colors on the floor, the, the stone floor. And then um, there was a woman who whose head was also uh, the receiving all those colors on her hair and um i wrote something a little bit about that um but um yeah it was really um yeah the whole thing was really moving and i've been thinking about um compassion and how one uh, moves from self-centeredness to that and um 
I think it was Norman Fisher wrote something about really go to funerals and get yourself around funerals and births. I thought that was a really interesting uh, idea. But anyway. What I was touched by is that even though you didn't know the family, you went to the funeral. Not just like, aren't you a good person because you went to the funeral? That's not the point. You stepped into that space of annihilation, of apocalypse, and it revealed some things to you. And the image that brought tears to my eyes just then was when you uh, said the stained glass windows was playing colors on the floor. And I thought that's what a seven-year-old should have been doing, playing with colors on the floor. Thank you. Thank you, Flint. We have Becky. So, Flint, this morning when I arrived was an experience that then your talk worked into it in many ways. Um, I had been at an appointment and was running a little late and, you know, coming in my wheelchair to try to get here in time for, for it all. But as, as we drove, as the handy dart drove up to the building, there was a lot of noise going on. First, we thought it was somebody with their backup sounds on, but it turned out that it was the fire alarm going in the building. So, you know, I said, well, they don't seem to be evacuating. So it's probably, you know, not an actual one. And, and yet then it would go off for a while and on for a while. And then the nurse came and said, it may go on, on off all day. And so if you actually have a fire, please contact us another way and so on. So then I arrived here and sure enough, almost as soon as you began our sitting together, it went off. And I had an immediate sort of, you know, like, oh, darn kind of thing. And then I found that I could breathe in relationship to the timing of the way that the siren was going. And it really, like just watching what happened when I did that was really quite amazing. And I, I really felt the thing that, I mean, I've, you know, I often wonder, would I be the calm one? Hmm. But I could really see exactly what happened as I, as I had my breath in relationship to what the apparent, you know, like the, the intent of making this jangled in some ways. Um, but that my breath was able to do something completely different with it. And so then when you started talking, what you were talking about, it was like, yeah, yeah. The it's rebel- like Bronwyn like being in the hospital. It's like, not what I would choose, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I just wanted to share that because it was just like, it, yeah. it opened up more what you were saying to me in a way. Well, and it's such a beautifully grounded example of practice. It's like, okay, this is happening. Like some of you can probably hear or did hear the construction going on the highway near where I am. So I came over here to get away from the construction of the house. And now they decided to tear up the highway this morning. So if I, 
I turn the sound thing back on. You hear the truck going by, and you hear the background beep, beep, beep. You know, it's like, okay, well. So it is. So it is. So it is. It's like Maria wants to step in. Yeah, have me next. <laughs> um, I was just thinking about all that you were saying today and, and how like a teaching, like in this case, Josh gave kind of, he has this way of, of kind of just nudging you a bit. And it, it, there's something about when a teaching just makes you stand slightly to the left. And then you're talking about annihilation, apocalypse, and it just changes everything. Everything around you has shifted because you're sitting somewhere different. And it's like I'm, I've sat back somewhere different, but then it's slippery. It's like there's a, it, it's like um, a kind of a, everything feels different and, and you can feel that it's, I can feel that it's, um, I'm sitting in a in a place that's more settled, but I can also feel that it, it's that. How do you kind of? It's that holding, holding while that place is is new is is finding its way is getting its bearings. Because only once you are free with nothing left to hold on to. Hmm. Holding. Hmm. I mean, psychologically, sure, there's comfort and there are times when you settle and you follow your breath, like Becky was just saying, and all that is useful. But it's always slippery. What's revealed is that it's slippery. <laughs> Everything's always changing in response to all conditions. There isn't a place to settle in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Settle in the non-settling, which is, I'm not trying to be clever by saying that. It's just, that's actually similar to what Brown was pointing to and Becky's talking about. And it's that not grasping and clinging, isn't it? Because when you first find, when you first kind of settle into that place, it's like, oh, then there can be like a grasping or a clinging to want to, to stay there. What did I do? What was it? What, how did I do? That, <laughs> that was my talk a week or two ago about what do I do next? <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it's just that slight, it's like they've picked you up and just stood you slightly to the left. It's literally like that. And then I can still see where I was looking before. Yeah. But I, and I can also see this as well. And it's like sliding doors. Yeah, there's a, right behind me, there's an image of uh, Kanzian Bodhisattva back in the distance. See back there? All I have to do is just step a little bit to the left. I can reveal her. <laughs> perspective, so, uh, eh? Perspective, perspective, perspective. Change, what is it? Change your, change your lens, change your perspective. <laughs> and we have uh, Marla. A couple of minutes. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Sorry. Um, really quickly, I just, uh, I know I won't uh, see your face before you come to Minneapolis for our retreat. And I just want to say how joyfully we're waiting for that. 
And something you, you said at the very beginning, forms are a ceremony with which we enact and embody our practice. And right. I'm so eager to be in person with you as we all are to uh, practice our forms with you yeah. and, and further learn them. So just wanted to say that we can't wait to see you. Uh, are you going to be up and about to do them? P probably partially in person and partially not. Oh, okay. <clears throat> anyway. Not, the knee coming along? Uh, yeah, I had a little bit of a setback. I entered it in physical therapy because I was too gung-ho. So <laughs> now I'm paying the price. Yeah. Too much enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. see you soon. I look forward to seeing you and uh, being able to hug you. Thank you. And I think we've come to the end of our, our time. <clears throat> so now um, it, we, we've reversed. So now let's uh, chant the verse of the rogue. And we'll chant the, the spacious, uh, generous aspect of our practice here. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Thank you, everyone. And don't miss Trudy next week. Oh, thank you so much, Flint. And thank you, everybody, for being here. And if you'd like to make a contribution, to Flint and to Appamada, please do go to appamada.org forward slash contribute and you'll find lots of opportunities to to contribute there. And uh, and we're wishing you all we're all wishing you a safe flight, Flint, for next week and really looking forward to Trudy next week. And um, yeah, and if you'd like to continue for a further 30 minutes with myself, please do pop yourself into gallery view and I'll join you in just a moment. Thank you all so much. Thank you. <laughs>